On your mark, get set. Go. go. All right. We are going to go. But first, I want to say hello. And for those of you who are online, uh, thanks for watching wherever you are or podcasting this later. I've been able to interact with some onliners, online Chase Oakers over the last uh, few days. Um, it's been really cool hearing your story. So I'd love to hear from you as well as those of you who are here in person. Uh, if you're new in our church and you're wondering, you know, do I fit here or what do you got to do to join or whatever? We actually don't have a formal membership and there's no bar of entry. Um, we take anybody and everybody as is because that's the way God accepts all of us. And we're a bunch of messes on a mission and who are here to help each other in our journey with God and be empowered by him together to change our world. And if that sounds like something you want to be part of, well, you're in. All right. And I'll make it official. You're in right there. OK, you're a chase over. So today we're continuing a series on your mark. And it's all about. The race that God has in front of us and the Bible uses that image a lot to talk about our life and our calling and our a life of purpose and intention. Like in Hebrews 12, where we're told to run the race that God has set in front of us, that he's laid out for us. Each of us has a race that he set out for us. It says run the race with endurance, meaning just keep doing it until the finish line and stay focused. It would not just run around, but run your race. And we've been talking about in this series what that means, and I encourage you to watch it and look back if you've missed parts of it. Today we're talking about a very important aspect of the race that changes the whole strategy for life. It separates highly effective people versus those who are not. And it's just this simple reality that this race has a time limit. That this race is a timed race. Like some other races. So my uh, my wife's sister, Corey, is, uh, I consider her an online Chase Oaker. In fact, she's, I think, listening right now. So, hello, Corey. She lives in Colorado. She is a distance runner, like a long distance runner, ultra runner. Uh, does these trail runs, like she did last year, the Leadville 100, 100 mile race. Can you imagine that? In the mountains, like 10, 11, 12,000 feet, all this elevation change. And, uh, and that's amazing, right? She also is, is, is trying to sign up and trying to get into a 200-mile race. That's her next step. Imagine that. And for a 100-mile race, you know, I think, I mean, I could actually do a 100-mile race if I had a year to do it. Like I could just do a half mile at a time or 100 yards at a time over the course of a year. But that's not the way the Leadville 100 works or those races work. You have 30 hours to run 100 miles. Well, that changes everything, right? In the race that you and I run, God lets us know, and today it's important to understand if we're going to run, if we're going to live our life wisely, that this is a timed race. We only have so long, and it's actually not very long. And once we understand that, it changes everything, especially when you realize that this race, this life that we live, has a prize attached to it, meaning this life affects what our eternity will be like. We'll talk about that. And if we live life now in light of that reality, it, it changes everything. And so today, uh, we're going to see that our race, it's, I mean, the good news is we, it's more than 30 hours, uh, right? Hopefully. And, um, and for us, it already has been, right, in this room. But, but the average person, the average person in America, and we're not, we don't know, nobody's guaranteed anything, but the average person in America gets 29,000 days. 
That's the race, okay, for the average American life expectancy, 29,000 days, which sounds like a lot of days, right? The first time I heard that, I was like, man, 29, that's a lot. I mean, let's go waste 100, right? Let's just all go to a beach somewhere as Chase Oaks and just take over an island and, and just, you know, waste 100 days because we got 29,000 of them. But then I did a little bit of math. I try to avoid math as much as I can, but I did a little bit of math. And here's what I found out, that I've already lived 20,623 of my 29,000 days, which is freaking me out. Because I, if you had asked me how old you are, well, I'm kind of midlife, you know, whatever. And then that feels old saying that. But I'm not midlife. I'm 75% of the way through. And that's pretty freaky to think about, right? And, and you can think about this too. Like there's a, somebody told me years ago about this website. And I'm sure there's others of them, but this one is called deathclock.com. And you go and you input some information about yourself and it'll tell you the actual from an actuarial perspective, the likely day of your death. And then it gives a countdown of the seconds. Here's mine. This is my the seconds I have left. Now, what's freaky about that is when I did this just not that long ago, when I first looked at this preparing for this talk, there was another column. There was a one in front of what's now the eight. I'm already missing a column. It just, and, and, and so it's like, stop it. I don't want, you know, but all of us, right? You can put in your, it doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 112 or whatever. All of us have a limit, right? All of us, it's just, and it's ticking away. Another thing that freaked me out this year about this. Can you tell I'm free, a little freaked out? I, uh, I read a book by Arthur Brooks. It's a really great book called From Strength to Strength. And I encourage you to read it. But one of the exercises he has you do as you're thinking about this aspect of life is he has you calculate or just think, okay, how many Christmases with family do I have left? How many summer vacations opportunities do I have left? Or for me, like I, you know, I like to snow ski. How many ski seasons are realistic for me in my future? Things, and, and you start thinking about that and it's actually not very much when you put it, it's like, wait a minute, you know, change it. It's like, I, I'm not just going to blow off something. I, I if I'm going to do something, I better do it now. I better think about it. Or you can even think of a season in your life. Like some of you have kids that are little and you get tired of people like me who've raised my kids saying, oh, it goes so fast. And you're like, yeah, right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's fast, but it is. And just think about it. if you're in that season, well, how many, you know, how many Christmases do I have before our kids are gone? How many summer trips? How many whatever? I mean, you can do that with anything, right? Just think about in season of life or your life overall, it goes quickly. In fact, here's what God says about it in First Chronicles. He says, our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. The time, as you can see, is just keeps ticking away. And what do you do about that? And you might think that this talk is about time management. Right? You're probably smelling that. It's about time management. But it's actually not. Because you know why? We can't manage time. Time is a rebel. It's unmanageable. It's not going to change. It's just going to keep going. Like when I, uh, when I was in high school, one of my favorite songwriters, uh, was, he's a Christian guy, came out of the Jesus movement, if you know what that is. Larry Norman is his name. Uh, he's in heaven now. But he wrote this. Uh, time is an earnest laborer. Precision is his neighbor. Time is an earnest laborer. You're not going to stop time. 
I mean, you could try to age well. You know, you can keep yourself in good shape, which is a great idea, great way. I mean, you should. That's a good thing, good stewardship of your life and body. Uh, You can try to fight it in other ways, too. You can get Botox, and that's fine. Go do that or surgery or, you know, whatever. But you can wear skinny jeans until you're 90 if you want to. But you're not really going to change the passage of time, right? And so what do we do about this? And there's something that wise people do that other people don't do, that most people don't do. And that's what we're going to focus on today so that we could run our race well. And we're going to hear about it from two heroes of the Bible, Moses and Jesus. We're going to talk about it. And first, we're going to hear from Moses in a psalm in the Old Testament. So in the middle of the Bible is the book of Psalms, which is all these worship songs. And... A lot of times people think, oh, well, then David wrote it because David wrote all the Psalms. But he didn't write all the Psalms. He wrote a lot of them, but he didn't write all of them. And Moses, if you know who he is, right? Most people do. Prince of Egypt, that kind of movie and all that. Moses wrote Psalm 90. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, he wrote it in a time where they were wandering in the wilderness because they refused to go in when God wanted them to. And this whole generation wanders around for 40 years. So it felt like time was dragging they were under God's judgment. It was difficult. God, uh, Moses writes this song to talk about that, but also say, hey, God, could you turn this thing around, make it a little cheerier, make it a little brighter? But he gives perspective about time and life, starting right away in verse 1. Here's what he says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. From everlasting in the past, everlasting in the future, you were God. You turned men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Now we'll stop there for a minute. So he starts out just focused on the eternality of God, which is an amazing thing to think about, because the eternality of God means that God, unlike us, is above time. You and I exist within time. And, And those of us who... who say yes to relationship with God through faith in Jesus will live forever with him, but we're still bound by time. We have a beginning, right? So we, things happen sequentially for us. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And when something's passed, it's gone. But God isn't bound to time. He lives above it. For him, it's like everything is happening all at once. Past, present, future. He, He doesn't, he doesn't exist within time, which I know is a lot to think about. But one way to think about it is like this. Like a parade. Now, years ago, I had an opportunity that was really cool in downtown Chicago. I was, it didn't start out so cool. I was, I've been in Europe at that time in my life. I was traveling a lot and uh, with this uh, training organization, leadership training organization we'd started years ago. And I was in Europe and it had been, it was a really busy time doing all these meetings and teaching and all this. And instead of flying home, I flew to another group of meetings in Chicago, and it was this large conference in downtown Chicago, and I was excited about that because it took place at a really nice hotel, and I never stayed in really nice hotels, so it was like, oh, that would be great, especially since I was tired, jet lag coming from Europe, the planes were late, we had all kinds of delays, and we get into Chicago, got into Chicago, like, supposed to get in way before that, but it was after midnight by the time I get to the hotel, so tired. And I, you know, dragging my, you know, bags in, go to the front desk of this very nice hotel. 
And the guy says, well, Mr. Jones, I'm so sorry. Uh, we have a problem with your reservation. We overbooked the hotel. And the good news, though, is we booked you at another hotel, uh, just, you know, also downtown Chicago, and, uh, and we can help you get there. And I was like, I can't. I just can't. I was so tired. I was like, can I, I, I mean, I, can, I, I, can I sleep in the lot? I'll just, there's couches or any, I, and I, is there somebody else I can talk to? Well, there is a manager on duty, but I, nothing's going to happen. So, well, just at least let me talk to him. So the manager came out, and right away, I guess he saw pitiful Jeff. And, uh, and he knew what was going on. He said, sir, there is actually something we can do. We're going to put you in the presidential suite. And they did. Now, was, you know, Christy wasn't there, so that wasn't great. But it would have been a lot better if she was there. But I was in the presidential suite at, you know, two bedrooms, a living room, a dining room, a office. Uh, had a, this huge balcony, you know, it was on the top floor. And went to bed. But the next night was really cool because in downtown Chicago, they do the, tree, they do the street lighting every year. It's like a parade. And it was happening that next night. And so from my balcony, I could see the whole thing happening. And it was like, it's like a processional. It's like a parade. And so you just see it. And I could see it from the front, like from the top, which meant I saw the whole thing from beginning to end. Now, people on the street had a very different experience because if you're on the street, it's like a parade. You're just seeing the people go by one at a time. You don't know what's coming right, until it comes. And then when it's gone, it's gone. But for me... Above it, I could see it all happening at one time. You and I live within time, like being on the street, just the sequence of time. We're bound to time. But God is not. He's above it. He sees it all at once. It's all happening all at once. He moves in and out. He, he is not. He's eternal. But you and I are not. And that's what he begins to focus on next, Moses, about us. He says, the length of our days... Is 70 years or 80? 29,000-ish days. If we have the strength. If we do well, right? You get your 29,000 days. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. Anybody say amen? <laughs> now, he was, I know it's a bummer, but he was, if you knew what he was dealing with at the time, and you know his story, it really was difficult. It was in a difficult period of time, so he's a little bit jaded. For they quickly pass, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. And again, he's writing in a time where they're under God's judgment. At the end of the song, he's asking God, God, would you turn it around like you always do? And let's see your goodness and all that. But before he gets there, we get verse 12, which is really the point of this talk. And it's profound. Here's what he says. Teach us. He's asking God, teach us to number our days aright. Number our days correctly so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's worth repeating. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, it's interesting the way he says it because he doesn't say wise people number their days correctly. Like wise people know time is short, so I better live intentionally. Now, it's true that wise people do that, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that's how we become wise. God, teach me to think that way so that I will gain a heart of wisdom. That if you want to become wise, one of the ways to do that is to realize this life isn't just forever. So I don't want to just kind of let time go by. This life is actually really short. 
And eternity is really long. And this life impacts eternity. And therefore, if I'm really smart, then I'll be really focused with the time that I have. In a way that most people are not. I mean, if you think about it, right? Most people just kind of live life and time goes by and they think it's going to last forever until all of a sudden it doesn't. You know, I mean, you start out, you know, suburban life, right? You, in America, you, you're a kid and you're just busy being a kid, which is great. Now there's more pressure as kids get a little bit older because you got to get in, you know, you want to get your kids into a certain kind of training or school or whatever. And they work really hard to do that. And then you go to school, then you get your job and your first job is usually not what you want, but you gut it out and you build your career and then you start building your career. And hopefully it is something you enjoy and you, and you, you know, you're doing that. And then maybe you get married. You don't have to, I mean, that's, but maybe you do and you get married and then maybe you have kids and then it's just crazy busy and you're raising your kids and you, time just go, I mean, you just, you're just trying to survive and then your kids go off to college and they start their own deal and you become empty nesters and they don't call like you want them to and you don't see them as much as you want to. And then you're empty and then you're an empty nester and you're in a stage in your career where a lot of people get kind of just, eh, you know, and I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen, but a lot of times that happens and you want to retire, but you can't yet. You got to keep working until you hit a certain financial mark. And then finally you hit that financial mark and you're like, oh, that's great. I can move to Florida. I can play golf. I can go on the beach. I can, uh, you know, fish or whatever you want to do. But then you're sold. You don't even want to do that anymore. You don't really feel like it. And then you, somebody gets sick and you die. And what Moses is saying is, you know what? I think we could do better than that. That the American dream is actually pretty weak. That God has a dream for you and me that's, that's way better. It's what Paul talked about with the Ephesians in, five, in Ephesians 5. And we're going to dive into this passage in a couple months more deeply. It's an incredible passage, but we'll just read it. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And by that he means, man, it, who knows when Jesus is going to come? I mean, this could be over any time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Meaning realize that, man, don't miss the opportunity that every day represents. Be careful with every minute, with every, everything you and I have to live intentionally. Now, Jesus comes along. And adds to what Moses, the wisdom Moses gives it, something that's really important. And I've hinted at it, we've talked about it, and that is the reality of eternity. And, that, and he talked about this often because, again, he's eternal, right? He sees it. And he's saying, hey, if you understood how life worked in this life and how this little stretch of time of this life actually impacts all of eternity for you, then you and I would live very differently if we understood that. And, and what he means, it's not just do you go to heaven or not. That's, that's not a meritocracy. That's a gift. Jesus came. He, he's the one who paid for, with his life, he paid the penalty for sin. He offers forgiveness for sin as a gift to be received, not something to be achieved. And we can say yes to that and go to heaven. But heaven, our reward in heaven, is about merit. That you and I will be rewarded for all eternity based on what we do how faithful or not we are with our time, our resources, our money, our gifts and abilities, our power, whatever we have, whether we just live it for here or we send it on ahead as we invest, as we serve, as we give, as we engage, as we lift other people up. 
And Jesus often talked about this, just like, okay, guys, if you just knew, you would understand that rather than just living for now, you would live now for later. Because eternity is a really long time, and this life is really tiny short. Like one time, uh, he told a story. And it was a story to some brothers who were arguing, and they were struggling with greed like I do. Um, Maybe you do too. And so he tells a story. And about this guy who was really wealthy and really smart, like smart enough to develop a massive amount of wealth. And it's an agrarian economy. So he has all these farms and he, keep, and he keeps getting more and he buys more and he gets more. He'd be the person today that would be featured on CNBC all the time. They would be on the cover of, you know, it would be mentioned in Forbes all the time and Wall Street Journal. And there'd be articles at Harvard Business Review about this guy. And I mean, he's just incredible, right? Smart business guy. And he says to himself, man, I'm doing so well. I'm just going to eat, drink, be merry, have a great time. I mean, and what am I going to do with all my stuff? And, oh, I'm just going to build bigger storehouses and, and, and buy more land and just get more stuff. And so he amasses more and more and more and more and more. And you think, wow, what a smart guy. Everybody would be saying, wow, what a smart guy. But then God enters into his story. And here's what God says. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That the smart guy actually wasn't so smart. Because he just simply lived for now. And Jesus often talked about that. And he says, hey, you can live for now if you want to. You can enjoy all your reward now. And good for you if you want to do that. Or you can be smart enough to send it on ahead. With our resources... As we give generously, as we lift up the poor, as we give to God's mission and, and what he's doing in the world through the church and all that we, and, or how we use our power to lift up others or how we use our time to invest in blessing others and changing our world and all that. That's how we change eternity and our reward, meaning our responsibility in heaven, our wealth in heaven, uh, all, our experience of heaven will be all different based on just this life, not what we do in heaven but what we've done here in this little stretch of time. And Jesus kept letting us try to understand that and understand that and understand that because it's real. And that changes everything once you think about that. Like um, years ago, uh, we had a wonderful Chase Oker who's now in heaven. Our name's Jean Rainwater. And, uh, and some of you, I, I heard some noise of people saying, ah, in, the, in, in this service because... If you knew Jean, you were impacted positively by Jean. She was just one of those people that just impacted eternity every day of her life. And her husband, Don, and, uh, and Heather now um, are in our church and are also wonderful Chase Oakers. And they knew, you know, of course, Don did. And Heather and Jean were friends and impacted by her. So, um, so Don and Heather Rainwater are great, too. But uh, Jean uh, went to heaven because she had pancreatic cancer. And once she got that diagnosis, she went through treatment, and, um, but she knew that there came a time where she realized, yeah, this isn't going to work. And there's no more treatment and that she was going to do. And, and Don's on the board of Young Life, and they work with that ministry a lot. It's a ministry that we as a church have partnered with over the years, too. It's a great ministry. And so before she died, she had all of these Young Life kids come 
in their backyard. They live on a golf course. And so there's all these kids out there, teenagers, 15, 14, 16, 17, 18 years old. And she knows she's about to go to heaven. And in her talk that she gave, she had this rope. It was really long. And she had the kids stretch it out. It's, you know, totally tight. And she said, I want you to imagine this rope as time and extending into eternity. Like, it does not stop. It just keeps going. And then she had this little section marked out at the front. Just this big. And she said, this represents our life here on this planet. And she talked about her life and ways God had intersected her life. And, but her point was, hey, look, this little bit of time that may feel long for you right now, you're a teenager, you've got the whole your life in front of you, is actually really tiny short. But it impacts all of eternity. Not just for you, but you can choose in this life to impact others for all eternity. And what a wonderful thing, right, for 13, 14, 16, 17-year-olds to be able to just stop and think about that reality. Just like Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days aright so that we can grow a heart of wisdom. And today is just an opportunity because sometimes we get these little scares, health scares or somebody we know dies or we go to a funeral or something and you're like, oh, wow, I got to think about this. But I don't want us to wait for that kind of stuff. Why not right now? Think about how I don't care if you're five or 95 or anything in between to realize, hey, what's gone is gone. But with what I have left, what would it look like? To live wisely, to invest in eternity, to realize this life is short, it impacts forever, and I don't want to just let time go by, I want to invest it. My time, my resources, my abilities, everything. And, and project yourself to heaven and look back at, at right now, you sitting here right now, and imagine having a conversation with your future heaven self. And what your future heaven self would say about right now. Some of you are making big decisions right now. And what would your future heaven self say about that decision? Uh, the way you and I make decisions every day with our resources, with our time, with our gifts and abilities, with the access that we have, with the power we have. Like how intentionally are we living? Because we really will appreciate every time we thought about this now and lived with an eternal perspective now. And so it's an opportunity. So I want us to go to God with that. And, um, and just say, God, would you teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom? Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for your wisdom. You're the creator, and you know how this works. None of us know how many days we get, but we know they don't, they're not going to be forever. We get what we get. But God, would you help us to be faithful? Would you help us to be eternally minded? God, give us wisdom 
Father, right now I pray for people who are making some big decisions in their life. That you would help them make that decision in light of eternity. God, would you help all of us as we make decisions every day. As we just live our life, as we spend our time and our resources and our energy. God, would you help us to realize what we're talking about and to, and to spend every minute, every dollar, every relationship, every minute, I mean, every moment to seize the opportunity that's embedded in each of that. In Jesus' name, amen.